Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I won't worry about tomorrow. I'm trusting Uh, today is the day you and I would regard today as the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. Um, today is also the day that this just, I mean, I, I've been, I've not been harping on this for three years. So um, today is also the day that 13 Reasons Why, which is a Netflix series about literally how to kill yourself, um, enters its third season. Like, what is wrong with us? Why can we not stop ourselves from continuing to produce uh, as a culture, literally like instruction series, video instruction series for young teenagers related to suicide. I So um, I've got several uh, episodes on this topic uh, back when Netflix was launching 13 Reasons Why the first time around, season one. We talked about it frequently. So you can find those at um, reconnectwithcarmen.com. If you type in the word suicide, I guarantee you the 13 reasons why material will all uh, will all pop up. 13 Reasons Why is a Netflix original series. It's now entering its third season um, and it's now streaming as of today. And so um, you need to know that. You need to know that... Uh, Kids are going to start binge watching this over the weekend, um, and it's it, it, if you have struggled with the issues that are portrayed in the series to this point, um, get ready because there's more deaths and more drama uh, in in this one. So, um, gosh, I just highlight that because it just makes me so angry that this is still going on and we haven't figured out a way as a culture to stop consuming that which we know is hurting us. But there you go. Um, Adam Holtz is actually going to be here from Plugged In up next. He and I are going to talk about a number of things. We're going to talk about the Overcomer movie, which also releases today. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, the the reality that it's it's really growing increasingly difficult as parents to protect our children from storylines and themes that are promoting um, what I will be bold enough to call sexual deviancy, what the culture likes to call um, uh, non gender non-conforming and, and non-conforming gender roles and all those kinds of things. So if the LGBTQ agenda is pressing itself literally all the way down into children's um, cartoons and children's media, and we're going to talk about that with Adam Holtz from Plugged In up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. So returning uh, is Adam Holtz from Plugged In. It is a ministry of focus on the family. Um, Adam, you and I are going to go a direction that maybe we had not planned to go this morning. Um, and uh, and that's because you have, uh, you have a young person um, in your house uh, who... Goes to school, middle school, um, and you guys got some really devastating uh, news from the school last night. So I'm just going to invite you to, you know, in in ways that I know will be completely appropriate, share with yeah. um, us, share with us what's going on 
um, in your community? Well, we got an email at the end of the day yesterday saying all the school events had been canceled for the evening uh, because a boy in my son's eighth grade class had taken his own life the night before. Mm-hmm. And um, and they didn't – Yeah, there's no – there's no easy or right way to communicate that, but they chose to communicate to parents and students. At the end of the day, my wife was there picking up kids from school. We have three kids in the school, and it's a it's a classically oriented charter school. Uh, and the boy came from a, a strong Christian family whose uh, parents are very involved in their church. Uh, one of three, the middle child, um, and my son said, "I just you know we spent last night processing." the grief. And, and I think for me as a parent, it was the first time my almost 13 year old has just absolutely been forced to deal with the reality of the harshness of the world, you know? And uh, my first thought was, where does, where does that idea even come from? And so I think it's one idea. It's one thing to sort of hear these statistics that talk about the suicide rate and the issues of mental health skyrocketing. Since about 2012, they've just gone through the roof with our kids. Uh, but, you know, here we have a, a church kid in a good school, uh, a loving family, as, as far as anybody knows. You know, obviously there are always possibilities of things happening that we don't know about. And I, but, I mean, everything says this was a kid from a great family. And... Mm. And just, you know, crying with him and listening to him and how do you help a child process, you know, he's just a, he's just a boy. I mean, he's just on the front end of adolescence. And so I think it it just was a reminder to me that um, the work we do, just trying to help people understand these issues and the media's role in them, it's important because you don't know what you might get an email at the end of the day that this has touched the life of somebody close to you or God forbid your family. And uh, it's just, uh, we're still just, we're staggering and struggling trying to get our heads around what has just happened. So um, Adam, let me just start with just, gosh, the sincere heart, my heart just going out to you and, your family and your son and his classmates and this boy's family and the community. Um, And when we talk about this happening in the lives of, in the life of a Christian family, in the life of a family that is in the church, we're talking about our family. And so I think, I think that when we talk about, when we talk with these issues with our kids um, and it's happened in a Christian setting, like it's happened to a Christian family engaged in church, um, you know, got their kids in, you know, doing, doing their dead level best, right. To no, protect they're doing their the right kid thing. and right. They're doing, they're doing from what everything that we would say is the right thing. Right. Um, yeah. and yet, and yet this still happens. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that in terms of, um, grieving with those who grieve, like part yeah. of this is giving your, your eighth grader, and you've obviously already done this permission to weep, like permission oh, yeah. to be grieved deeply and then I think it's also an opportunity um, 
to talk about the pain in the body of Christ. Like we are not insulated from what is going on in the world around us. And we are not insulated from the challenges that young people are facing today. Many of those exacerbated by the media, but the media is not the cause of these things. Like, right. We are not going to, we're not going to cast blame here in any one particular direction, but I do find it interesting that, um, you know, on the day that the third series, the third season of, Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, which is all about not only suicide ideation, but almost a how to uh, instruction, uh, you know, video instruction of how to do it, how to accomplish it, um, targeted toward this age group. Like it's it's media targeted toward towards this age group. Um, I think those are reasonable questions for reasonable people to ask. Uh, You know, and I also I also recognize that in your community, it's it won't just be the church that these people attended that's affected by this. Right. Like today is a today is a day for every Christian um, to to step up and lean in and be there for those not only those kids but that family and then yeah. all of the concentric circles and all of the years that are going to follow this. Right. Yeah. This you know August the twenty first for them is going to be. I mean, today's the 23rd, but this child took his life yeah. on the 21st. August the 24th is now forever going to be the like the worst day every year for them. Like it just yeah. is. And it so is. and so, you know, when we think about what's the worst day of a parent's life, sometimes we think it's the day that we got a cancer diagnosis or sometimes we think it's the day that our kid got an F or sometimes we think right. it's the day that our kid, um, you know, didn't uh, didn't make a team. Um, this right. is a really like perspective as a huge reminder that the worst day for some families is this day that we're describing right now. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, excuse me. There are all sorts of resources online. Focus on the family has a ton of them. And I don't mean this to be a commercial for focus, but I think in that moment, sometimes you don't even have time to go, look up the article or the book or the, you know, the podcast on what do I do in this situation? Like all of a sudden you're in it. And Mm -hmm. I think two things are so important. You have to have a relationship with your kids to be able to talk about it. And hopefully you're integrating your faith in such a way that when you, when you talk about it from a faith perspective, it doesn't just seem alien to your kids. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, right. This, here's the Sunday school answer. Here it comes. And, um, you know, we just sat down with our kids last night and, and just reiterated that there's nothing you can do that ever will cause you, us to love you less. And that if there's anything going on, man, we want to hear from you. We want those communication lines to be open even if you've done or said something that you think we're going to be upset with, it doesn't matter. I mean, not that it doesn't matter, but that doesn't influence how much we love you. And I don't know, Carmen, if that was the right response. I mean, it was just sort of, we're in this right now. I don't have time to go think through what's the best way to deal with this issue. Um, But I, I think just communicating to our kids that we love them deeply and we want always to be available to hear what they have to say. And that, you know, the, the tragedy is, I'm sure that this family had done that too. It's not mm-hmm. that that, you know, is a guarantee that bad things are never going to happen to our kids. Um, mm-hmm. But I think at least as a baseline, our kids have to know that we're there for them. If they're, if they're carrying just this weight of, of something and, 
you know, I think the idea that somebody who's 12 or 13 could take his life is just, mm-hmm. I don't even, it's just, I don't even have a, I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around it. Yeah. It's, I don't have a category for it. Adam, you and I got to take a quick break. Um, uh, during this break, uh, let's be praying for Adam and Jennifer and for their kids and for this school and for this church and this community. Um, uh, let's just, let's be mindful of that uh, during this break. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. So we're having a conversation with Adam Holtz from Plugged In. It's a ministry of focus on the family. Um, Adam and Jennifer live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we've been talking um, about something that he and I had not planned to discuss today, and that is the suicide of an eighth grader in his son's class. Um, I had a listener who asked, is there a resource to which I can turn, even though I know um, in the moment I don't have time to turn there? Um, yeah. My my answer is there there is a ministry called Compassionate Friends that actually supports families after the death of a child. And specifically, they have an area of their ministry that is um, that is about surviving your own child's suicide. Like there there this is sadly a um, uh, a ministry area um, now. And yeah. so if you're looking Compassionate Friends dot org um surviving uh, your own child's suicide is one place that you could turn focus on the family has lots of resources um yeah. and 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 so do many others so and, um, and Adam, let me say just go ahead yeah re- really really quickly we just launched earlier this year a new initiative called alive to thrive which mm. is a biblical guide to preventing teen suicide so it's just alive to thrive dot focus on the family dot com and this is really aimed at parents and pastors and teachers and influencers. This is a guide for how we as adults can create a culture in which this happens, you know, less. All right. So that's alive to thrive dot focus on the family.com. Yes. That's awesome. That's right. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. Um, let's segue to Overcomer. Tell us about yeah. this movie that is uh, launching today. Overcomer is the latest movie from the Kendrick brothers, Alex and Stephen Kendrick. And um, I guess as many of your listeners have seen one of their other movies, Courageous, Fireproof, you know, Facing the Giants, War Room. Um, These are two guys that have a pastor's heart for taking the issues that we wrestle with and turning them into a story that I think is pretty accessible. And this time around, um, they are focusing on the issue of our identity in Christ, which feels really relevant given what we've just been talking about. And, you know, they they always have ensemble casts with lots of characters on their own journeys, but this one really focuses on two characters. It focuses on a teen named Hannah, and Hannah has had a pretty rough go. She's made some poor choices, but she has decided to sign up for cross-country, even though she has asthma, uh, and she feels like she can run. That's like the one thing she can do. And simultaneously, Uh, The school district where uh, she's going to school uh, has had a a factory close and a bunch of families have moved out of town. And that has left um, coach John Harrison without his beloved job as a basketball coach because almost all the families that had kids on the basketball team have left. And so he's kind of having a midlife crisis because he's angry and bitter about not being able to do this thing that he loves. And his principal asked him to to coach cross country. And He's not very interested in that. He's really not interested when only one person with asthma signs up. But it really is a story that uh, focuses on their journey together, and his wife is is very involved as well. And discovering who we are and what really matters. You know, are we what we do? Are we our talents? 
are we the things that we're passionate about? Well, no, none of those things are the core of our identity. You know, who we are is is who Christ has made us to be. Uh, and because of our relationship with him, there are things that are true of us. Um, and, and we can rest in that identity. And man, I, I think this is, <clears throat> it's a hugely important message in a culture that is extraordinarily confused about identity. And, you know, we're looking for identity in so many places and, and 13 reasons why I think shows what happens when kids have no idea what their identity should be based on. It's just, it's chaos and it's loss. Um, whereas this is a movie that really shows us what the other side looks like. Uh, and, and I really liked it. Uh, I, I sometimes feel like these movies can be a little bit on the saccharine side. And I tell myself, I'm not going to cry. I am not going to cry, but I still got a little misty at the end of this one. So very nice film. It's rare that I can come on your show and say, Hey, if you want to go to a movie this weekend, this one's fantastic, but that's true of this one. Go see Overcomer and then talk about it with your kids, with your family, because it's that kind of movie. Yeah. Resilience, redemption, looking at ourselves, being there for other yeah. people. It really is a really just just a great um, a great way to go. Um, OK, we don't have time probably to uh, to till the soil on many other topics, but I'd love for you to share with people. Do you know any information about this Ashley Bratcher um, scholarship, the the unplanned movie star who has launched this pro-life scholarship for expectant moms? Honestly, you know anything about first, that? first that I've heard of it. Um, okay, so that's so, just so I'm just gonna. Well, I'll just I'll just highlight it that way, and then you and I can both um, go find out more about that. But I okay. just think that is so cool, right? That somebody is using their platform and using the benefits that God has brought into their life. She's obviously convictionally pro-life, right? I mean, the unplanned yeah, oh, movie she is. is just like right. We had, a, we had an interview with her, and when the movie came out. Her mother told her she was on the table to abort her mm. and decided not to. And so her mother ha and her mother had aborted another sibling of hers. And mm. so her mother had this incredible story. So if you go to our blog, which is a subsection on Plugged In, and click on the blog tab and do a search on Ashley Bratcher, we've got a, a really interesting interview with her. Okay, well, good. And now we'll look for a follow-up that includes this really cool scholarship because I can't even imagine all the stories that will come out of this for women who are having an unplanned pregnancy and think that that is going to cause such a disruption in their educational plans that now they can't do what they, you know, had thought they were going to do in order to provide for themselves and now a family. And she's actually making that possible. It's like the right kind of pro-life story that we're not just pro-life for the preborn, we're pro-life for the person who's pregnant with the possibility of another person. So just it's just absolutely. Awesome. It's absolutely. just awesome. All right, Adam, you and I will uh, return to this conversation uh, in the coming weeks. Thank you so much. And prayers uh, ongoing for you and Jennifer and your kids and the school and your community. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you so much, Carmen. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. That's Adam Holtz from Plugged In. You can check it all out at PluggedIn.com. Check out the blog. Search for Ashley Bratcher. Get that story. Go to the Overcomer movie. Those are all my little ads uh, for that today. We'll be right back. So as Christians, uh, we we walk by faith in a world that is filled with uh, what I will describe as missional opportunity. And we have talked here um, frequently on the program about uh, cultivating a, a culture of foster care and adoption um, in our lives as Christians. And um, 
there's a woman in Mississippi whose name is Christina Dent, who, uh, because of her Christian conviction and because of her sense of of calling to share the goodness of the life in her own home with uh, with kids who, for whatever reason, can't be with their own parents, she opened up, um, you know, opened up herself to be a uh, a foster care mom. And so through foster care, God introduced her to the concerns of um, of the women whose children end up in foster care. That led Christina down a path um, that ends in what we will describe as um, the End It For Good campaign. End It For Good. She's coming here next to talk about how God changed her heart and then changed her mind and then moved her into advocacy on a front that I think is going to surprise most of us. Uh, That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Some families let arguments and fighting tear them apart, but in reality, conflict can pull a family together. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. When handled properly, conflict can actually improve relationships. People who stick together through thick and thin become closer by the end. In fact, some of the teens I recall most fondly are the ones who made me want to pull my hair out. Engaging rather than avoiding will teach your teen how to manage conflict well years down the road. Rest assured, the day will come when they have their first fight with a future roommate, employer, spouse, and a child, too. So don't shy away from conflict with your teen. When it's time to get in there and fight for something you believe in, create a model of resolution they will never forget. Looking for more parenting wisdom? Go online to ParentingTodaysTeens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Dent is uh, maybe an unlikely advocate for bringing an end to the criminalization of drugs. She wants to end the war on drugs for good. End It For Good is the name of the organization. Enditforgood.com is the website. You can also check it out on Facebook if that's a place you like better. They are at End It For Good MS. MS stands for Mississippi. That's where she's from. Christina, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. So the reason I describe you as um, unlikely uh, is because you don't really like have a a radical changed life conversion from drugs story. So uh, right. introduce introduce yourself to our audience because uh, this is the this is the portion of the story where, um, frankly, Christina is just like you. So right. uh, tell us, <laughs> yeah, tell us uh, tell us about who you are and how you were raised. So the first time that I ever heard somebody mention legalizing drugs and asked me, you know, what do you think about that? I honestly was so angry. I left the room. I could not understand how this person was a Christian. How could you even consider something crazy like that? It felt so threatening to my values as a Christian. And so um, I had grown up in a wonderful Christian, politically conservative home. Uh, I attended a Christian university. I have a degree in Bible never used drugs, never had friends that were using drugs, like not interested in that at all. And so I had always understood drugs um, the way I think a lot of people do that grew up like I did, which is drugs are bad, drug use is bad, outlawing drugs must be the right thing to do. And I had never thought really anything else about it until we became foster parents. 
And so through foster care, I actually came close to addiction for the first time. I came close to what happens to people because drugs are criminalized in our country. And I began to see all of this harm um, coming from that. And so through meeting Joanne, who was one of the um, moms of the babies that we fostered, uh, I began to see this very different um, view of addiction than I had always thought. So Joanne actually grew up a lot like me. Um, I was homeschooled kindergarten through high school. Joanne was homeschooled kindergarten through high school. Our parents actually knew each other uh, when we were young, although we had never met. Uh, we were back in the you know 80s, first homeschoolers. Um, and so uh, Joanne had made some poor choices in the beginning that had spiraled into addiction. And so I met her in the parking lot of a child welfare office uh, when I brought her son to see her for the first time after he had been taken into state custody for her prenatal drug use while she was pregnant. And so I went there and I had not met her before and I popped his little car seat out of my car and turned around and there was Joanne sprinting across the parking lot with tears streaming down her face and she covered her son with kisses and I just felt so much suspicion. This is before I knew anything about her. All I knew was that she had used drugs prenatally. And I could not understand how anyone that loved their child could do that. I just assumed she must not love her son. So what are all these tears from? This must be just a show to try to impress me. Um, and so she got to spend her one hour that's allowed for a visitation. And after that, she left for drug treatment, inpatient drug treatment. And she would call me from that drug treatment uh, every day on her one phone call she got to make. And she would say, can you put me on speakerphone? So I put her on speakerphone and her little five pound newborn was in my living room and she would sing over the phone to him. And I just felt this war in my heart over this is not what I have always thought about drug addiction. Either she's pretending or I have radically misunderstood what's happening. And the more that I got to know Joanne, the more I realized it was the second one. I had radically misunderstood addiction, drug use, what's driving it the ways to healing. And I realized that Joanne is a mom just like me. She loves her son just as much as I love my three sons. She was struggling with a very complex and difficult crisis, health crisis, spiritual crisis. Uh, but Joanne was a believer all of that time. Um, and she was struggling with something that she could not overcome until that point in her life. Um, and so here, her son ended up joining her back at treatment, but I was left with what just happened to me because something mm -hmm. I have believed in my whole life has been radically shifted uh, and I need to understand what's happening here. So I think there's a lot of us, Christina, that um, first of all, we don't do what you have done in terms of allowing ourselves to come into that very close proximity to people in very real need. So mm -hmm. I think that the right, the first move of the heart here is that uh, is that God moved your heart to uh, to open your home yeah. to children in need of, of fostering. And we talk about that a lot here. We talk about the need to cultivate a culture among Christians uh, of foster care and adoption because it is such a radical uh, need in our society today. Um, and it was because of that proximity that mm -hmm. for the first time in your life as a Christian, you you started to ask new questions um, that you had assumed you knew the answers to all along because right. you know, because of the environments where, you know, you, like most of us, spend most of our time. 
So the proximity um, question is a really good one for people to ask themselves right now. Am I even in proximity to people who are struggling um, in in these ways? And and then once you once you had this experience with Joanne, um, you then did some research. So you didn't just do the experiential part. You didn't. You then did the let me do the research and get the real answers to my questions. Let me do the head part of this. Uh, and, and see how my experience that I'm having aligns with the, what research would tell mm-hmm. us. So we're going to, when we come back from a quick break, we're going to let you um, un, unfold for us what you learned in that process and then what you're doing now. This is a journey to learn about the war on drugs. And then this is a journey toward advocacy to end it for good. The website is enditforgood.com. My conversation partner, Christina Dent, will be right back. Continuing my conversation with Christina Dent, you can check out what she is doing at enditforgood.com. Uh, you can also check it out. They have a Facebook page at enditforgoodms. The MS stands for Mississippi, which is where she is joining us via Skype this morning. Christina, let's pick up where we left off. So after you had this like genuine heart encounter where you started asking mm-hmm. these questions about whether or not everything I've always assumed about uh, people who use drugs and therefore the war we need to have on drugs. Uh, once you had this hard experience of of asking whether or not mm, I'm right about all that, um, you started looking at the research. And really what you're asking there is, are my feelings accurate? Um, you know, right. feelings are a terrible barometer of truth. So you went out right. there to research <laughs> the truth. So tell us about what you learned. Yeah. So what I learned is I could see with Joanne that, you know, if we put her in jail, we're putting moms like her in jail and prison every day and dads like her. And so I could see this, whoa, whatever we're doing is affecting a lot of people. So I went out there and wanted to know, you know, what actually is true about this? And I wanted to know, I wanted to back up and say, okay, what's the deeper value than my support for the war on drugs? Why am I supporting that? And I came back to, well, I'm supporting it because I think it's reducing harm from drugs. That's the whole, the whole thing for me is I want to reduce drug harms. And I want to reduce them not just for people who are using drugs or for their families, but for society as a whole. How can we have reduction of harm for all of us in a world where we have drugs? And that journey uh, and that research um, convinced me without a doubt that drug harms actually fall into two categories. So if you picture it like one of those little two colored pill capsules with a red side and a white side. So the white side is potential harms from a substance and what it can do to your body when you ingest it. The red side are harms from criminalizing those substances. So as a culture, we have lumped those two categories under one big label of drug harms. And we have swallowed that whole pill, the red side and the white side, every day for 100 years now since the war on drugs began. And for many of us, we have done that without realizing that we even have a choice. But we do have a choice. We can break that pill apart and we can stop swallowing the red side of harms from criminalizing those substances, harms from putting people like Joanne in prison and tearing their family apart and having children grow up without their parents. And we can stop those harms from cartel and gang violence created by the underground market that drugs have been forced into by criminalizing them. So many of our overdose deaths are coming from contaminated drugs. That's a harm from criminalizing drugs where they're not regulated. People don't know what they're buying on the streets. And so we can put all of our resources then into reducing the harms from the white side, the drugs themselves. The research on this is conclusive. 
that the vast majority of all drug harms today fall into that second category, the red side, harms from banning these substances. And I was totally shocked by this. It, I, I, it is no understatement to say this felt like an earthquake to me. To have something I had believed in for so long shaken so deeply, um, I had no idea that I had so radically misunderstood the cause and effect of drug harms. Um, and so the more I learned, the more I saw, actually, there's millions of people who have either died or have had their lives destroyed, not by the white side, but by the red side, by harm that would not have happened if we had allowed a legal regulated drug market. So for me as a Christian and someone who's politically conservative and has a high value of the sanctity of life, as I looked at the actual harm, the death and destruction that was coming from criminalizing drugs, I could say, you know what? I can allow these substances to operate in a legal market because that's the best way to reduce harm, even though I don't want people using them. The criminal justice system is the wrong approach. This is a complex health, spiritual, social, psychological crisis, not a criminal justice one. Right. So, Christina, you can imagine that um, uh, there's pushback. Um, Absolutely. And I and I know you know that. And so um, maybe no surprise to you. It's certainly no surprise to me. Maybe no surprise to you. You're being castigated right now on my um, uh, on my text line for my show. Um, mm-hmm. Who think that you and I are promoting drug use? That's mm-hmm. what they think we're doing. That is not what we're doing. Um, yeah. We are asking people to think about the complexity of life, and we're asking them to do something that is hard. We're asking mm-hmm. for people to um, to actually examine whether or not the laws we have now. Um, and the way that we use our resources now, um, whether or not spending 90 percent of our drug-related national budget on enforcement instead of spending 90 percent of it on uh, on treatment and on uh, and, and on the rehabilitative part of of what it would look like to actually minister to people who um, who are addicted at this point and who who cannot break out of that themselves. Whether or not throwing them in prison is better than uh, than rehabilitating them. That's the question mm-hmm. we're we are we are asking people to ask themselves. We're asking for an evaluation of whether or not it causes more harm to individuals, the family, and therefore the nation to continue throwing moms like Joanne in prison for prenatal drug use, um, or does it make more sense to spend that same money? And get her the treatment that she needs in order that she might not only be restored and redeemed herself, but raise her own child instead of, frankly, the rest of us now having the opportunity to raise that mm-hmm. child one way or another. Is that is yeah. am I am I basically understanding what you're asking people to do? Yeah, is really consider that, you know, the drug war is not a morally neutral position. And for a lot of Christians, they would say, I, I cannot morally support legalization of drugs. Well, the drug war is not a morally neutral position. It is a heavy moral weight. There are hundreds of thousands of people every year who are dead or permanently damaged by the drug war. People uh, south of our border who are under the weight of cartel violence, people in our cities under the weight of gang violence that's being driven by this, people dying of preventable overdoses. Um, And all the rest of us feel that weight as a society of all of this death and destruction So we have, there's moral weight on both sides. And I think 
uh, it's important to consider just because something is harmful or bad, maybe we even consider it to be sinful, doesn't mean that it should be criminal. So if you think about adultery, or if we think about other addictions like gambling or alcohol or tobacco or pornography, we would say as a culture that Christians are not advocating out there for adultery to become criminalized, where we throw people in prison uh, for 20 years for that. We realize that is so destructive. It is sinful. It is terrible. But we realize that a criminal justice approach to that is just is not the right approach. It's not going to actually help that problem. Um, and so we are not advocating for drug use by advocating for the end of the harms from criminalizing those drugs. We're saying we want less people harmed from drugs across the board, less harm. And so we're willing to allow people legal access like we do with alcohol, which is uh, one of the most harmful drugs that we have uh, with us. We can say, you know what, we're going to allow them to, to access it because it allows us to radically decrease the amount of drug harms that we have in our culture that we are all suffering from. It allows us to save lives. It allows us to uh, keep families from being torn apart. And so instead of just us trying to rebuild lives that have been broken or lost by the criminalization of drugs, we can actually try to keep from shattering those lives in the first place. And I think that zooming out and seeing it's not just that I don't want people using drugs because that hasn't changed. My values are the same. I don't want people using drugs. I don't want societal harm from drugs. I have come to, to understand, I think, more clearly and to be able to zoom out far enough to see where so many of those drug, uh, drug harms are happening. And they're happening from all of the forces that come from pushing this market into the underground. It does not go away. A popular substance does not go away when you just ban it. It goes into the underground market. And there's an explosion of harms in the market for the substance that's unregulated now and now for users who we are throwing into prison by the thousands every year for um, what is a, a complex uh, health, spiritual, psychological, emotional issue. Um, but it's not made better by um, trauma for many people. Their drug use is a response to trauma in their lives and in their childhoods, a sense of disconnection, a sense of wanting to numb um, a difficult life. That's not always the case, um, but for many people it is. And so we have to consider, especially as Christians, I think, to be able to say we are taking people for whom many of them have been harmed or feel very disconnected um, from community and relationships, and we are throwing them into uh, a prison environment where we know is extremely traumatic. So we're trying, we're using trauma to try to fix a problem that is made worse by trauma. It just does not work. And there, it is making the problem worse, not better by doing this. Uh, and that's what I hope people consider is not whether or not we think drugs are good, but whether or not we think criminalizing them is the best approach. We don't. We think legalizing and regulating them, putting them behind a counter, putting age restrictions on them. That's the way we actually reduce societal harms and keep them out of the hands of our kids. Christina Dent, thank you for your testimony. People can uh, can hear more of Christina's testimony. She's got a TED Talk. You can go to TED uh, TEDx and uh, and search it for Christina Dent. You can also go to enditforgood.com. You can check it out on Facebook. And for those of you who are um, screaming at me on the text line, I want you to go there first because I want you to watch Christina's testimony. I want you to actually read um, what is on the website, and then we can talk more about it in the coming days and weeks. So I appreciate the listener engagement and feedback. 
Um, I also really appreciate uh, Christina's willingness to, man, put herself out there uh, on behalf of this effort to end it for good. Christina Dent, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. All right, friends. So we um, we have covered a lot of terrain today. Um, I'm going to return here for just a moment to uh, the, the the prayerful ask of our brother Adam in Colorado Springs for prayers for that community um, facing the the reality of a suicide of an eighth grade uh, student in their in their classical school. Um, and and let's just be mindful today that people out there are really hurting. They are really facing incredible trauma and challenges um and they need us to be christ in flesh so get in proximity today to somebody who is hurting and be the jesus in their life those are your marching orders today as we go forth have a great day have a great weekend and god thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with carmen laburge from faith radio if you haven't you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through itunes or the google play music app That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.